Comadres y Comics is a podcast hosted by three Latina women. We highlight the Latinx presence in the comic book industry as creators, characters, and fans. Join us as we talk chisme, comics, fandom, and beer. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Comadres y Comics. This is episode 134. How we are your hosts. I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. Hi guys, how are you guys doing? Hey. Hello. Good. It's just, it's all like, right. I I have a lot going on. Yeah, yeah. it's Halloween. Yeah. Halloween. This so is Halloween. This is Halloween. 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 Yeah. <laughs> so just tell us about you cuz I'm mostly excited about your plans because mm. it just makes me think of what I'm missing, but go ahead. I was going to say, yeah, I'm excited because old people need to live vicariously through the young people. Right. <laughs> of course. So I'm just having a, like a small like Halloween uh, party tomorrow uh, on Halloween. We're just going to be dressing up costumes, a lot of alcohol, and I'm going to be like making food. I'm going to try to Ooh. bake like and make um, uh, coffin cupcakes. But oh, anytime cool. I try to bake, if it's not just straight up cookies, something always goes wrong. Really? So, oh yeah, yeah, you said your brother's the baker. Yeah, my brother's the baker. My brother's the one who bakes. If I want something, if I want big goods, I usually have him do it. But yeah. he's not here and I can't <laughs> drive him all the way here. So I have to try my hand on it. And it's so funny because I can cook, but I just if it's not cookies, it's like beyond me. I don't Yeah, know. well, baking is the most sciencey part of cooking. And it definitely takes uh, some trial and error for sure. And not until <laughs> not until I actually took a cupcake baking class and that is how she framed it. And now I watch like baking um, shows and they also talk about the science and chemistry of it. I'm like, it makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I'm not a sciencey person. So it never dawned on me that that that's kind of how you had to look at baking but once you kind of look at it that way it you can you can kind of figure out how to make things work better Mm -hmm. that's so so cool what's your costume my costume is actually one that i was never able to wear in 2018 because actually in 2019 because it came late oh Uh, i remember that you remember yeah so uh, i'm gonna be like doing a vampire queen and I just got like this really cool like headpiece thing that was from a Cleopatra costume and it was from a costume designer um, uh, or like a costume maker because uh, we went with a friend because she she know like her I believe her parents knew the person and so we went to go see and she's like been a costume designer for 45 years oh wow So we went to like her like garage and it was full full of like bunch of costumes that she's made and she has them like separated by how fun yeah it was a lot of fun so but I saw that piece and I was just like I want it I want it so it's really cool I just want to confirm is this the cool dress that has like the vampire the bat wing cape with it yes it is oh my god I wanted that so bad yes (laughs) that's so cool it is is, yeah just Um, to um, let you guys know my dream Like my dream place is like going into somebody's attic or a garage and just them having costumes galore. So like try everything on and just like it. I don't know. It just it just has such a like. 
I don't know. Like I remember re- reading books when I was a kid about going into the attic and finding like treasures. Yeah. And that's yeah. one of my things. Like I would have loved to have seen that garage full of costumes. It was a really amazing garage. And we went for like my friend went for a witch costume, but she didn't leave with a witch costume. Instead, she like she came out with this like really, like really beautiful, like Ren Fair uh oh, dress. It's nice. made of velvet and it had like a huge collar right here and puffy uh, sleeves and like gold embellishings. Oh my uh, god, it was really cool. And she like she sold the costume for like 60 bucks. Oh Ooh, dang. Damn, yeah. that's and for a handmade. That's yeah. ridiculous. It is that's it's awesome. Yeah, it was ridiculously cheap. And she's just like, oh yeah. She's like, I've had this stuff for years and I really need to empty my closet and or like my like costume shed or whatever it is. But like she had so much more. And she's just like, yeah, like I do this. Like she's a professional costume designer. She's done stuff for like oh. theaters and plays and movies and stuff like that. That's awesome. So, that is uh-huh. awesome. So it was so it was jealous. a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun. Um, um, but I have that for uh for Sunday. And then I have I'm trying to finish up uh the altar that I'm making because I think this is the first time I'm making my own altar. And so uh I'm really excited about that. And, uh, nice. Well, I have I have a little space to work with, but I'll I'll send pictures once I'm done with it. Um, but yeah, that's what's going on with me right now. Awesome. Oh, that is awesome. Plus, mm-hmm. I know that you're really busy with the school schedule only because the ah! holidays are coming. <laughs> I know. But yeah, good luck with that. I'm certain you'll like get your schedule rolling, but definitely have fun on Sunday. I want to see pictures. Because, yeah, lots of pictures. Because oh I God. can't okay. go to par- I'll try. parties and I wish I could and I wish I had the energy to do it, but I don't. But I want to see your pictures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And apparently, like, uh, where I'm staying at is, or, like, where I'm renting, it's it's a really popular area for, like, Mm. kids to come and, like, get candy. Yeah, so it's, like, it's the nice part of San Jose. (laughs) I was not aware of this when I came here. Um, um, But, yeah, no, um, uh, Ruth, uh, the landlord, she was telling me, she's, like, yeah, like, kids come, kids come all the time for Halloween. Oh, nice. And so... So they usually have like a huge bowl of candy. So going to be doing that too. Cool. Oh, cool. Right mm-hmm. on. Oh my God, Kristen, it is your anniversary. What? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. So Eddie and I got married on Halloween. So it is our, what is it? In? I don't even know. Uh, <laughs> we got married in 2007. So 17, 18, 19, 20. So 14 years. Wow. <laughs> I had to count on my fingers. I know. Um, I didn't want to start counting on my fingers. I was like, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> we used to go to Disneyland every year for Halloween. Uh, we really enjoyed going with uh, the, the um, parks all decked out in decorations and so cool. Um, to just go and hang out and see the special Halloween themed rides like uh, Haunted Mansion is done up in uh, Nightmare Before Christmas and um, Space Mountain used to be like Ghost Galaxy. But uh, we haven't had our, our annual passes in a while. And now that da- uh, now that annual passes have changed and you have to make reservations for Halloween, like we used to just be able to like wake up in the morning and be like, let's go to Disneyland, but you can't do that anymore. So um, I found 
a really cool event that's happening in Long Beach at a winery. And it is going to be a um, a Halloween costume party with a DJ and wine tasting and their um, menu looked really yummy. All I know is that they have full on baguettes and cheese on the menu. And oh, <laughs> hell yeah. And so I'm like, yes. And the best part is it's old lady hours. It lasts from <gasps> five to nine. I can be home and eat my things <laughs> by nine 30. <laughs> Incredible. Okay. So I want to know what you guys are dressing up as. Oh, okay. So we're just going to do simple what we went, uh, what we dressed up as when we did Disneyland a couple of weeks ago. Um, I'm going to be Captain Marvel uh, with uh, her um, Air Force flight suit. And I have a shield cap and a nine inch nails t-shirt that I'm wearing underneath. And I also have uh, a little flurkin that I'm going to be carrying around. Oh, sweet. What about Eddie? (laughs) He's just going to be basic Punisher with black camo pants and a Punisher t-shirt. Something simple. Oh, right on. Cool. That is so cool. I'm so excited for you guys. I want to see pictures of that, too. (laughs) Take pictures of the food because I really want to imagine how that tastes. Yes. super exciting. Oh, you guys have a one. You guys have wonderful plans. I love it. It's super cool. And how about you? Are you going to um, stay at home and hand out full-size candy bars to lucky kids? I am. Hopefully, they'll come by. I have not put up my giant spider web, but I'm going to do it this week. Uh, th- of course, this week. <laughs> Sunday is Halloween. But I'm going to do it later today and um, just a spider web. But I yesterday the whole family uh we were in the backyard and we carved out pumpkins oh uh, nice uh-huh. i haven't done that in so long it's so much fun we i you know what every year i always talk jacob into carving pumpkins even though he doesn't want to yeah i always talk him into it i'm like i already bought him let's just do it he's like, all right and then we have fun doing it yeah but this year the the price of the pumpkins at costco was so good and oh. they were huge. They were huge, but they just have like minor imperfections, like the back was scarred or mm-hmm. they were a little bit lopsided, but they were huge. And so I just got one for each one of us. I was going to do it in groups, but then I was like, you know what? It's cheap enough to get one for, for one for each person. So we went to the backyard. We put out the like six foot table, like unfolded that sucker and then just started carving. And this year I look when I opened the drawer and I looked at the pumpkin carving utensils that i got many many years ago i was like early on in the in the year i was like oh maybe i should get rid of these i know jacob's too big to use them anymore uh but then we used them yesterday and you know what it was just so much fun i was like you know what fuck this we're gonna do this every year (laughs) and so and so yesterday uh we carved them and then we put them outside in the front yard we lit candles and they look really oh that's so awesome and everybody does whatever they want on their design we you know there's no theme like just you know i wanted to do a little contest where i uploaded them to facebook or instagram and have them vote oh yeah but i but um yeah maybe i'll still do that and see if we can get our competitive spirits up for next year (laughs) but i put them out um usually i put them out like weeks in advance but then they rot yeah because you know what it's because it's so freaking hot it's been in the 80s and 90s guys but yeah yes so um 
Uh, this time I'm putting them, I put them out yesterday. So basically they're going to only be out there for what, three days. So yeah. um, they're not going to. Do you save the seeds and make seeds? You know, I wanted to, but the last time I did that, it took me forever. And so then I'm just like, you know what? Too much work. I already have all this other stuff going on. It is a lot of work. Yeah. I already, you know, like just building up the altar for weeks in advance uh, took me and making my day of the dead crown took me away from actually drawing every night. So Mm. I fell off the face of Inktober. And so (laughs) there's just so much stuff going on. And I really should have prepared and managed my time better but I just I couldn't do it all so but I'm very excited to just stay home maybe watch the exorcist again oh just wait for the kids to come I swear that movie <laughs> I know right <laughs> yeah it, it gives me <laughs> nightmares I can watch it I actually never saw the movie until my late 20s and I was home alone that weekend. I had to sleep on the couch with all the lights on, uh, the TV going. I just, uh, it, it gets me every time. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Like, even while watching it, just going to the bathroom is like, okay, maybe I should turn on the hall light on. <laughs> like, because, you know, like, you know, crazy people don't scare me. Like, crazy, you know. Yeah. Um, but supernatural, but supernatural religious stuff. Fuck that shit. The devil, the demons. No, no gracias. No gracias. That's no gracias. so funny because, like, when you think like the way I think about it, like I don't. I'm more like, uh, like get creeped out by like I guess like ghost things, like not demons or like that. I'm just like when I look at demon or devil stuff, I'm like, lol. <laughs> like, I just like I just it, it it doesn't. I don't know. To me. Like, whenever they say, like, I would like people who say, like, oh, I was possessed by a demon. I was just like, no, baby, that was you. <laughs> that was you. I like, I don't know. To me, like, the, like, demon, the demon thing is just an excuse for human savagery. So I'm just so like. And also just, mental illness. Yeah. Yeah. And mental yeah. illness. And so yeah. that's what. So whenever someone is just a, like, oh, like a demon possessed. Them, I'm just a, like, no, this person was either uh, one. They were being un they were unmedicated and they were in a situation that caused them to snap uh or two this was something this was them this is yeah. them and they're trying to cover for themselves makes sense yeah so whenever like the demon stuff like i can i can watch it and it doesn't like give me nightmares but like the stuff about ghosts i'm like ah oh, maybe we should re-watch haunting of hill house that darn tv show <laughs> I love haunting of. Hill I House. could not sleep for weeks. Yeah. Okay. So, like I, haunting of hill, like that's my shit. Yeah. <laughs> like or the uh, haunting of Bly Manor. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I wasn't gonna say this before, but we put the jack o' lanterns up front in the in the porch, and then I was taking pictures with my phone. But then Jackie, uh, my brother's fiance, took pictures with her phone, and she said, "I don't know if you believe in this stuff." And I'm like, "What?" She's like, you know how when they say you have little balls, spark- balls sparkling in your pictures, it means they're spirits. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I just want you to know that I've cleaned my phone. I just literally cleaned my phone before I took these pictures. And in each picture, there's a little ball or two or three, and they're in different positions in the picture. Ghost orbs. <laughs> yeah, ghost orbs. And I was like, yeah. damn it. Why don't I, why don't I get that stuff on my phone? Like, I'm waiting for a paranormal moment. 
Oh my god. I think she just didn't clean it as well as she thought she did. Also, the way light reflects on certain things, That's- especially in digital type media, um, the way that it, it captures it, it happens quite often. But um Eddie is such a skeptic, and I am to a certain certain extent. And we went to mm-hmm. we were obviously married on Halloween and my best friend gave us a night in a haunted room on the queen mary and dinner and a ghost hunting excursion and the ghost hunting excursion included a medium that would go with you and eddie said he was so ready and he was just like he was like take me ghosts i'm 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 here (laughs) but we didn't see anything or feel anything but it was very fun it was a lot of yeah that's the point it's why i love watching like and i'm like eddie too because like i walk this very careful line of like they're not real but then but are they right Uh, just in case case. (laughs) so like it would have to be i i'm like i'm a skeptic but also not at the same it sounds like really like really confusing but i feel i feel like a lo- that's a line that a lot of people walk they're just like oh that's not real um uh but just in case yeah <laughs> so i so i i feel that yeah i totally want it to be real i've been waiting for some paranormal activity forever since <laughs> i was a kid i mean i've been watching scary movies with Elvira since i was like seven like i'm ready but nothing. Ready. I don't even. Yeah. I don't even get ghost orbs in my pictures. That's how sad. <laughs> <laughs> how sad my paranormal radar is. But I mean, that means you're just you're not haunted. Isn't that a good thing? Uh, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> in any case, listeners, this will find you a few days after Halloween. But just as the spirits from the Day of the Dead are leaving and departing back to the realm they are traveling from so felicia de los muertos guys no sorry feliz dia del muerto feliz dia de muertos don't disappoint your ancestors that's a threat catholic guilt for the win all right guys now it's time for chisme de la semana and i got some chisme a little bit of chisme un poquito de chisme uh, so uh, I still haven't seen Dune, but it's on HBO Max. But they've already. Oh, seen- is it on HBO Max? Yes, it is. Yeah, I saw it. Oh, did you? Yeah, I saw it on HBO Max because a friend has it. That also saw it in New York. I really want to go see it in theaters, and I really loved it. Oh, no. awesome! I can't. I I wanted to be in the headspace, like out of the Halloween spirit, to watch it. So I'll be watching it soon. But I'm really happy to say that they have greenlit part two, and it's officially greenlit for a theat- theatrical release in 2023. So, oh. so I'm. It's gonna be uh, well. I'm saying it right away because when you make a movie, that doesn't seem too long. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So that's exciting. Have you? Did you ever see the original? I haven't. I want to do a marathon. I've never seen it either. I just, for whatever reason, I have no idea why. As a kid, I would see trailers or see snippets or whatever. And I was just like, that's so effing boring. What is this? I do not care about it. And and so when this new one came out and everyone was all excited, I'm like, no, thank you. But everyone, I have no idea what it's even about. I just was like, nope. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I don't know why it's some weird like thing that I have against it's, it, but I don't know why. <laughs> it is a classic sci-fi story. 
Mm-hmm. It's basically space capitalism with drugs. And space capitalism with drugs. Yeah. I like space it capitalism with drugs and religious heresy. Okay. <laughs> it's really cool. <laughs> but I mean, I've heard so many people um, whose opinions I respect when it comes to entertainment like this say that it's good. So mm-hmm. I might check it out. I, and I have HBO Max, so. Yeah, so the earliest memory I have of Dune, the very first original one in theatrical release was this. I went to the drive-in with my aunt and her friend and I think a cousin of mine, and they said, do you want to see Dune or Purple Rain? And I was like, I want to see Purple Rain. (laughs) (laughs) Even though my aunt's friend said, I wanted to see Dune. And then when there was sex stuff on Purple Rain, they're like, we should have seen Dune. <laughs> That's my memory of Dune. Purple Rain. That's Purple Rain. You know, I saw Purple Rain probably when I was in like fifth or sixth grade and have no, like, I'm sure it all just went right over my head. I have even to this day no idea. I could not tell you if you asked me what it was about anything <laughs> other than Prince was in it. Oh, you should watch it again. <laughs> yeah. Um, my other achievement, guys, is Cowboy Bebop is going to be releasing on Netflix the live action. It And if you guys don't know what Cowboy Bebop is, it's a neo-noir space western, which it's I... It's the greatest really anime to ever hit existence, and you should watch it. Wow. <laughs> it is going to be releasing the live action Netflix November 19th, 2021, so in a few weeks. And... The greatest part of all oh. that I love, that I love, love, love. I just it. got right now that you're saying live action. You keep saying anime, but live action and it wasn't connecting. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so Spike is going to be played by John Cho. And I had have, I has, have had a boner for John Cho since Better Luck Tomorrow. That guy is hot.com. I love him, love him, love him. I <laughs> I, I'm just so excited he's on this project. It's so fucking, he's so amazing. I love him. I know he was in Harold and Kumar, but he has been in other movies that have been just spectacular. He's such a gift to the world. I love him. Um, as you can tell, I love him. Um, anyway, <laughs> if you guys want to catch up on your anime part of Cowboy Bebop, the first, the actual 26 episodes, you can find them on Hulu and stream them there. So, I'm very much excited about uh, streaming the uh, anime portion of Cowboy Bebop, 26 episodes, to just prepare for the live action on Netflix coming out November 19th. And that is my chisme. All right, guys, it's now time for On My Radar. Kristen, what is on your radar? So on my radar this week is in theme with Halloween. I have read DC versus vampires this week, and it was very good. I really enjoyed it a lot. I am not, I would definitely consider myself more of a Marvel reader and fan than DC, but DC really has been putting out a lot of really good uh storylines and books recently um i know last week i talked about or the week before one of these weeks about catwoman lonely city which is amazing i highly recommend um but this week the first out of i think 12 issues if i i'm not sure how many it's going to be now that i so um 
I know, Kristen, you have been highlighting DC. I think in the last three episodes of, of Comadres Comics, which I was really surprised because, like you said, you're a Marvel girl, which I really was like, this story is going to be really good for her to be like, into, <laughs> into DC. Um, have you noticed that more titles out there are going the short story route, like six issues, 11 issues, as, as opposed to like long running series? There's definitely um, in both Marvel and DC a uh, a huge number of limited series. So yes, DC versus Vampires is um, a short series of twelve. Um, well, it's not so short because there are like four, five, six, but twelve issues generally seems to be kind of like the the like norm, and then uh, shorter ones. Sometimes there's even four, but. Um, yeah, it's always been like that. There's always been limited series that uh, occurred uh, around the main series and sometimes not of the same universe. Like, for example, I'm, I'm assuming, again, I don't know DC very well. So I'm assuming this is like some sort of like Elseworlds storyline. It's not canon and not, not canon with what's happening like in the Batman main series and all that kind of stuff. Um, so it's just a, a like side story that is just has nothing to do with everything else that's going on. Um, but I think one of the things that I'm really enjoying is that uh, James Tinian, who is one of a really one of my favorite horror writers becoming one of my favorite horror writers is writing a lot of these stories and they are um, stories that are set within the DC universe, but have that horror like aspect to it. And so obviously vampires is a horror genre. And this book um, has an old uh, character that readers, longtime readers of DC might recognize. Um, and it's the dude from I Vampire. So not the oh. I Vampire dude that, uh, that uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air Bel played. <laughs> That's a different <laughs> I vampire. <laughs> um, but uh, I can't remember his name, but um, oh, uh, no, I was trying to read something here, but no. So he um, basically um, had been dating like the queen of vampires and she gets murdered. And he realizes that she was the only thing keeping vampires from taking over the world because uh, she just had this like very uh, good way of having the vampires and the humans and the metahumans all living together um, so that there wasn't a lot of like craziness and killing and stuff, unnecessary killing going on. But when she died or uh, was murdered, that was completely gone. And so they start rising up and he realizes it. So he goes uh, to get help. And I don't want to do any spoilers because I really, really highly recommend this. But one of Superman's um, main uh, nemesis, one of the villains uh, in the Superman uh, mythos, helps him and says, you need to go here. And he gives him the uh, address to uh, the Justice League um, Hall of Justice. And when he gets there, the only person that's there is uh, Green Arrow. 
I think. Was Green Arrow or Green Lantern? Damn, not even Green Lantern. No, I don't even remember. I think it was Green Arrow, but maybe it was Green Lantern. I don't know. I read it like a week ago now and I can't even remember. But um, I think it was Lantern now that I mentioned, now that I'm thinking about it. But he spews his story. And I don't remember what, what Green Lantern it was now to not mention it, but he tells him what's happening and is like, I need help. And one of the really cool things about the book is when the I vampire guy is telling the story, the artist changes the coloring to completely hues of red and black. It is so cool. It just visually, it's like really creepy and it's a vampire story. So it goes right in line. And, um, and so he's telling him the story and the dude's like, okay, you know, we're going to get help. Well, obviously it turns out that um, this Green Lantern guy is not all he seems to be. And this I vampire guy is not necessarily looking for help in all the right places. So the Green Lantern guy is like, did you tell him when you were coming here? Did you tell him? He's like, no, no, no. Well, turns out he did tell someone. And who always shows up in the DC books to come and save the day. (laughs) And that is, and that is how issue one ends. So it is really good. And another spoiler, I have to tell you, there's some really heinous stuff that goes on with poor. um, Is it Zane? What's the wonder twin boy? Xander Zane. I don't remember, but anyway, there's some heinous stuff going on with a Wonder Twin and a Blender. And that's all I'm going to say. Oh, wow. Ooh. That sounds exciting. <laughs> <laughs> that is super cool. Thank you for sharing that. That's amazing. Oh, my God, guys. Oh, my God. Kristen, what time is it? Es la hora de la cervecita and this is a beer that has been staring me in the face for i don't know how long i have been wanting to try it and i'm so glad that we're trying it now because the other day i looked at it i'm like oh this is in the drawer that has beers in it that were okay for me to drink but no something makes me think that it's not okay to drink so i didn't drink it so thank goodness i didn't because i was super close um, but this beer is called Mariachi Maestro, and it is a hazy India pale ale, and it's brewed and canned by Hen House Brewing Company up north in Santa Rosa, California. So um, the description oh. on the side of the can says that this fabulous hazy IPA is brewed with cashmere, Montueca, mosaic and sabro hops and is in tribute to gabriel zavala the mariachi maestro uh gabriel zavala dedicated himself to music and sharing his craft with the young people in his community the melody of mr zavala's life will resonate forever in the hearts of the many lives he touched and then it says salud so that's really cool. I yeah. I didn't read the words before now, and I'm assuming that this is there, there's beautiful can art. Oh, beautiful yeah. can art! And now that I know that it's probably him uh, and not Obama, <laughs> 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 he 
because uh, every time I would look at it just briefly in my refrigerator, that's what I would think of. Because um, so it, it kind of looks like a chubby Obama. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a hen house, Norwalk brew house in a, a, a San Luis Obispo collab. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a brewery in Norwalk. That's what I'm saying. That's <laughs> there's like, stuff what? to do in Norwalk. I know. Burn. That isn't yeah. Universal Studios. <laughs> no, Universal Studios isn't no. Norwalk. No, that's Valencia. No, no. <laughs> but Universal Studios is in Studio City. <laughs> is right. it? Was it uh, the Norwalk like shopping center or like? Norwalk is off the 605 and uh, 91. So it's way east. Never uh, mind then. I don't know. Almost right up against Orange County. Okay. Well, then my statement still stands true. There's shit to do in Norwalk? Honestly, like... Yeah, I, I it is nowhere that I go to on purpose, um, other than the fact that my my niece used to live there. <laughs> it's the only reason. So that's the only reason I used to go there. And now she doesn't live there anymore. So I just drive right on by. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, not so that. good. It's and hazy, yes, all right. It's very hazy, very opaque, not see-through. I think it smells good, but definitely hoppy. Oh, yeah, definitely. I actually got uh, this one from um, Caps and Corks. And I got it because there's a lot of flowers, beautiful flowers in the back behind oh. the the actual mariachi yes. that is in front of it. And I got this one because it seemed really festive. Even the font mariachi maestro is really festive, really la- Latino. And uh, because we're on the cusp of Day of the Dead, we're actually right in the middle of uh, Celebración de Día de Muertos. And I thought this would be re- like a really nice compliment to that. So that's why I got this beer. And um, I also noticed, and maybe this is because of COVID and the lack of can availability or maybe even um, uh, uh, ingredients. I've seen a a lack of like um, Halloween-y can releases. Oh, you know what? I haven't even seen that many pumpkin ales. Exactly. And so I wanted it to be something that kind of was... relevant to Dia de Muertos. Um, I don't know if you guys noticed, but there were no Halloween shops this year. Pa- those pop-up Halloween shops with the costumes and the, stuff. The Spirit of Halloween? Spirit of Halloween, yes. There is a giant one close to me. There's one off PCH everything. here in Torrance. Yeah. But not as many as normally. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So let's so- one of the things before we taste it that I want to just mention is there is a what are these little codes called? What are these codes called? Oh, these um, QR codes. QR, yes, there you go. QR code on the can that when you scan it, it takes you to a page that um, at the top has the can art on it and says Mariachi Maestro, tribute to Maestro Gabriel Zavala, cultural icon, local mariachi legend. And you can donate to an Ritmo Academy. Um, There's free music downloads. And then there are links to the three collab breweries that um, are on the can, Hen House, Norwalk, and San Luis Obispo. And um, Ritmo Academy... Um, basically is a nonprofit organization that puts instruments uh, into the hands of children. 
So um, that's pretty cool. On the can itself, under the QR code, it says scan for more ways to celebrate and support Mr. Zavala's legacy. So that's cool. That is super cool. I just noticed that, too. I didn't know. Thank you for bringing that up. <clears throat> so let's give it a taste, guys. What do you guys think so far? It's mm. very flavorful. Yeah, I, you know, I I enjoy the taste more than I enjoy the smell. But that oh. could be said for many of the IPAs that we try. <laughs> that can be said for many things in life. <laughs> that too. I just say shit. Cochinas. <laughs> no, I, I'm really like I'm liking the fact that I took it out of the fridge a little bit earlier and had it like sit a little bit before we actually tasted it. I, I'm I'm finding that really brings out a lot of different flavors. So I'm opposite of Jen. I enjoyed the smell more than I enjoyed the taste. It is very, very, very different than what I smelled note-wise. And I'm trying to really trying to really wrap my head around the taste. It's it's very hoppy, hoppy aftertaste for sure. But in the beginning, like I don't know what I'm tasting. If it's fruity, if it's Really? I don't think it has a very strong hoppy aftertaste. Oh my gosh. It's so strong to me. I don't know what, what it is that I ate or drank or whatever, but it's so overpowering. And the rest of it is just underwhelming to me. Oh my God. Am I losing my touch? I don't know. Um, I no, you know what? I mean... You know, we all, I mean, it already, I mean, right before we tasted this beer, I was drinking coffee. So it could very well be just like, you know, what you ate for breakfast too. Like how long has it been sitting out? Um, yeah. So, but I'm, you know what? I, I going to be honest. I had the, cause it's a four pack. <clears throat> I had one of the cans fresh out of the refrigerator and I was unimpressed, mm -hmm. the, but I feel because, um, the flavors were, were muted from the it being so cold so that's why i'm appreciating more that it's been sitting out for uh, a while okay. and i i'm actually really enjoying it a lot more now that it's like more of a room temperature than straight out of the refrigerator so i feel that 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 actually gives it like more of a, a just different kind of a kind of a complexity of flavor that it changes with the uh, with the temperature that it's served at. So I'm actually enjoying this a lot uh, more, more than I did the first time, honestly. Well, I'm, I'm also going to use the, the word underwhelmed that my very first taste was underwhelming. Um, and then the hoppiness overpowered everything. Um, and I'm continuing to drink it and it's just more of the same. I'm very um, disappointed in the taste inside the can that has such beautiful art. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I can um, appreciate what you guys are saying. I, there is a strong aftertaste for sure. Well, um, Jen says she doesn't taste it. You know what? I think I'm, I think I know what's going on. I don't think what I'm tasting is whatever the, like the beer is. I think what I'm tasting is the hops. And I think this is the first time I'm actually enjoying the taste. 
Oh, wow. Because once once you said, like, I can't really taste anything, I tried it again. And you're right. There is just, I don't think there's, like, an underlying flavor besides maybe some kind of citrus. What I'm tasting is the hops. Yeah. I'm actually enjoying the taste of the hops. And I love me a hoppy, hazy IPA, but this just not doing it for me. And I am looking uh, online for a little bit more information about it. And some sad news about um, where this collab came from is that, um, unfortunately, um, Gabriel Zavala died in early February um of covid oh my gosh really that's yeah yeah uh so uh let's see i just looking to see if i can find more information about the the uh beer itself it just says that uh it just talks about the hops that it have been used to Brew it, but no, like, notes or anything to look out for when you're tasting it. So, yeah, I am. It's definitely not one of the my more enjoyable hazy IPAs that I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, not everything's going to be a Super Saiyan, but um, I'm I'm actually really liking it i like i said before i had it straight out of the refrigerator once and i was a little bit disappointed the the fruits the citrus all of that stuff was really muted and having it like more of a room temperature has been like really it has really elevated the beer taste for me so are we ready to actually rate it yeah yeah so as a reminder to our listeners we rate our beers on a five-point scale where one out of five is flaccid two out of five is initial three out of five is partial four out of five is full and a five out of five is rigid and if it's a beer that is off the charts so amazing it won't even fit onto the scale that is super saiyan so i'm gonna go first because i already know that i'm giving it a two (laughs) giving it an initial just a little movement that's it (laughs) just a little little, uh, (laughs) just a little throb just yes just when it kind of i love i used to love it when i was making out with the guy and it kind of throbbed a little like (laughs) ma'am i'm sorry (laughs) is this a kid's show (laughs) um i'll go next no, I just brought back a memory when you said that. So <laughs> oh, my God. Like, okay. um, <laughs> so I'm going to give it a full. I really enjoy, like I said, I really enjoy it. And I'm the one that likes the sours and the sour taste. And I love like uh, sumo, which is uh, um, the rind part of a citrus, any citrus. Um, but I really like that kind of sour aftertaste. I'm not minding it at all. So I'm going to give it a full. Uh, I am going to give it, here's the thing is that I'm thinking of giving it a full, but I think it's a partial for me because while I am enjoying it as I'm drinking it right now, it's still not something I would pick up on my own. So I'm going to go with a partial. I'm going to go with a three out of five. All right. That has been our beer review.
All right, guys, now it's time for our book review. What are we reviewing today? So today we are reviewing Unearthed, a Jessica Cruz story. So we're still on the DC kick. Yeah. The, uh, what's this imprint called? Do we know? Uh, It's just DC graphic novels for young adults. That's what I'm seeing here. Yes. Okay. So let me read the synopsis of it in the back. Um, uh, Jessica Cruz has done everything right. She's a dedicated student, popular among her classmates, and has a loving family that has done everything they can to give her a better life in the United States. While Jessica is a recipient of the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals program, DACA, allowing her to go to school and live in the U.S., her parents are undocumented. Jessica usually worries for her parents, but her fears and anxiety escalate as a mayoral candidate with a strong anti-immigration stance runs for office. As the xenophobia in Coast City increases, Jessica begins to debate whether it's worth renewing her status to stay in the U.S. or whether her family would be safer and better off moving back to Mexico. And despite her attempts to lean on her friends and family, she finds herself constantly visited by visions of Aztec gods, one pulling her toward hope and the other toward anger. But when her father is detained by ICE, Jessica finds herself being pulled into an abyss of fear. Despite feeling helpless with her father gone, Jessica must find her way out of her fears and ultimately become a voice for her community. Well, let me start. This is Sarah. And I've had this book in my possession for, I don't know, like four days, maybe. I, I can't be certain. But as always in Sarah format, I always wait till the last minute to read it. <laughs> uh, just because I think I'm... that's just the Comadresi comics format. <laughs> <laughs> um, so last night, um, after doing a lot of things, we carved pumpkins and did all this stuff. I finally had a chance at 1030 to what I thought was like, okay, I'm going to read half of the book and then I'll read the next half tomorrow before we record. Well, Guess what, guys? As soon as I started reading it, I could not put it down. Could not. And would not. And didn't mind not putting it down. It was so good. Yeah. I loved the Spanish dialogue in it. I love that uh, her, uh, Jessica Cruz's mom is a costurera. You know, my mom started as a, uh, w- w- worked as a costurera, my grandmother, my aunt. So, like, I'm familiar with that whole costurera like hard work cortando la hebra bringing work home uh working for pieces that hourly like can you tell people who might not know what that word is uh in spanish what that means so uh there's a lot of like sewing factories fabric factories like where they make clothes here in the in la and so they uh hire women uh, undocumented women and they work long hours and they pay them by piece of clothing mm-hmm. um they pay them to sew like they also like a part of it or depending on the garment and so like they pay them per garment they don't pay by hourly wage and sometimes my grandma she was older so she would take bundles of like shirts home and uh, cortar la hebra is simply you get these little scissors and you cut off the straggly string that that remained after the sewing was done and that takes time and time consuming and you got to take get it all and cortar every hebra from the fabric Mm -hmm. so every time like they sewed a fabric there'd be joints um, that were sewn together and they all had like remaining string because 
um, you know, like they just their work by piece. So they're trying to generate as much pieces as possible. And a lot of the times they work in hot uh, factories. There's no air conditioning. Um, you know, they're slave drivers. It's, it's a sweatshop basically. Yeah. And so uh, a lot of people start off that way and it's mostly women and, and they get taken advantage of. And like I said, they don't work for hourly wage. They work by piece. So as many pieces as you complete, that's how much you get paid. And so seeing, and, and it's not something they highlighted. It's just, it, and this is what's awesome. It was a highlighted artistic panel. It was just the art and the drawing that let you know what the parents did for a living and I thought that was really like amazing because they didn't have to include it in the dialogue they were just it were just flashes of images that you just created your own story and uh gave the story a, more of a uh, of um, more content and I thought mm -hmm. that was amazing I think the marriage of the art and the story here were amazing um of course we know that uh uh, she's a uh, she's reapplying for DACA. She has to renew her status, and so she's she, she has a lot of doubts and stuff. Because she, um, what I loved about the story is that she kind of felt alone and kind of felt like she couldn't talk to her friends about it because most of the times her friends were making fun of like the immigrant people like just in passing like oh yeah like this uh, this uh, ICE deportation has to stop because. Uh, my uh, housekeeper got deported and I got to clean my room like insensitive comments like that. And that's one of the reasons I think th that really set up the whole like feeling alone part and not being able to share that with her friends. Um, she felt the weight of the world. A lot of her family members were telling her, and this is all like Latinx related. Like I can relate to everything uh, uh, Jessica is, is experiencing because one of the things when she went to a family party was uh, you got to study hard in school because you got to take care of your parents. Like, you know, it's a big responsibility. Uh, and I think John Stewart, John Stewart makes an appearance in the story. I said, yeah, that's the uh, lonely child uh, syndrome. Like that's just what we deal with. And he as a man of color experiences that at a certain level. And we could relate to that in the story. And I like how they, made a reference to it and we could see a lot of similarities with people of color which i really loved about the story the writing is amazing um um and uh one of the things that was like really striking in the story and really just something that was that was really highlighted on was that during the time when the her father got um apprehended by ice the ICE officer that apprehended him was Latino and spoke to him in Spanish. And that's one of the things that um, I've heard a lot about. It's like, oh, you know, like how there's this kind of like struggle when people that speak the language and are people of color and La are Latinx or Latino, and they are the ones that are pretty much doing the ICE raids and taking people away from their families. And it's sort of like, don't you know? I mean, you should know how it feels. You you should understand where we're coming from. And yet you are doing the bad guy's job. You know, like and it's, it's a love-hate relationship. And it's like, it makes you feel like, like nothing is possible, like it, defeat it. It makes you defeat it. It makes you feel defeated. And I, I think they got a lot of, of um, 
a lot of emotions out of me while reading this book. And the, uh, what was it, the uh, uh, magical realism of it with the Aztec gods, I think that was a beautiful highlight in this story. Um, and the artwork is just amazing. The uh, the kind of like the blocked kind of uh, body uh, was something that I wasn't really familiar with, but just seeing kind of it's sort of like a geometrical um, geometrical representation in art. Like it's it's kind of pretty amazing, and the way the colors are highlighting the art itself is just really really beautiful i really 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 enjoyed this uh just down to the neighborhood la virgencita in the back in the paneling in the background uh el, la frutera is selling fruit in the street i mean everything was just amazing and this is one of the reasons i couldn't put it down if you're looking for a book with representation of the Latinx community in your neighborhood, this is the book to get. It is just really well done. I like how they have Spanish dialogue with the parents and, and her. And it just it's really was just amazing writing, just really amazing writing. I, I can't say enough. I really, really love this. Um, one of my favorite parts wasn't even like really serious at all. It was the part where they're telling Jessica, the parents are telling Jessica how they met and what the first song they, they danced to. And it was La Chona. I don't know if you guys are familiar with it, but no, but yeah, yeah I am. <laughs> I love that. It's just like, we all know La Chona. <laughs> like if we, gone to, if we gone to those backyard parties, we're all listening to La Chona. And I actually aspire to be La Chona when I was younger, but, <laughs> but um, of course you did. Uh, yeah. That just, uh, La Chona kind of defines me as an adult that I wanted to be in my magical realism. So I, I may or may not have heard that song. Cause I have gone to places where they play music in Spanish that I don't understand, but never really paying any attention to it. What about La Chona is something that you aspired to. What is that? Oh, so Lachona is this lady. <laughs> it's this lady. She's obviously older. She goes to these parties with her husband, and when she gets there, she just grabs a bottle and just starts to dancing. And they're uh, like, they're like, Bravo, Chona, do it, do it. Nobody can be like you, Bravo, Chona. Nobody can be like you. Um, uh, and the Chona, she's dancing and she's moving around, and you know, and everybody's kind of chanting, "Yay, Chona!" You know, and her husband's like, "Oh my God!" There she goes again. <laughs> Um, so that was a very long and detailed <laughs> <Yeah>. and, uh, <laughs> um, very specific, uh, critique and review. And I'm glad that you enjoyed the story. Um, just so that, um, readers, uh, readers, listeners, um, no, this book is um, a fully Latina creator, creative team. Um, Lilium Rivera is the writer and Steph C is the uh, artist. And um, I think Lilium, it says that she it lives here. In LA. Yeah, yeah. Los yeah. And Steph is from Mexico. So um, 
that was one of the main things that I was really um, glad to see and was really interested. Um, and if you actually listen to um, one of our very first uh, interviews, in fact, I think it may have been our first interview when we uh, interviewed Sam Humphreys because we reviewed that book, um, right. which was the original Rebirth Jessica Cruz book. Um, I'm looking for our list. I usually have it here in my in my favorites. I have a picture of it so that I can tell our listeners to go back and listen. And I can't find it. So I oh, here it is. <laughs> so you can go back to well, we reviewed episode eight. We reviewed Greed Lanterns. Um, right. And so that is the episode you need to listen to um, for the introduction of Jessica Cruz. Uh, and when we talked about it, and that is um, the book written by Sam Humphreys. And then we interviewed Sam Humphreys before even Las Platicas was a thought in our mind. It was, it was we, our, our first interview. Our interviews um, were part of the episodes. And so um, it was episode 18 that we talked to Sam Humphreys about um Green Lanterns and Jessica Cruz. So um, in just, that, I'm yeah. so sorry to cut you off, but just a, a special shout out to Henry Barajas because he tweeted out the piñata de Jessica Cruz at the LA Comic, uh, East LA Comic Con when it was called East LA Comic Con, and that is actually how we got in touch with Sam Humphrey. So thank mm -hmm. you, Henry. Yes. Um, yes. But in that book, we learn. Um, a lot about Jessica's uh, character. Um, one of the main things being that she suffers from depression and anxiety. Yes. And um, in this particular book, in Unearthed, um, it was so well written um, on how you can start to see those issues starting to develop and really take hold of Jessica. And when like, honestly, I'm not even over-exaggerating when I say that as I was reading the book and I was listening and experiencing Jessica talk about all of the, of the responsibility that she felt with all, with having to decide whether or not to reapply for DACA, with being an English speaker, speaker and trying to um, translate for her parents when needed, when family members telling her, you need to do good in school and you need to be successful because you need to take care of your parents. Like all that stuff, I started freaking feeling anxiety. And mm -hmm. so, and, and I know what a lot of those pressures are um especially for um the oldest of a family in a um a latinx family um when i would work with um with uh families when i worked with teens and and youth um it was often the oldest who would miss school because uh, their parents had to go to an appointment and they needed a translator. So the oldest would go and the appointment was in the middle of the day. So the parents kept them out of school um, or the parents had to work in the factories and those factory hours are crazy hours, but there were uh, young children in the house and they needed daycare. So the oldest would take care of them and sometimes miss school. And so it was um, the family dynamic uh, that they portrayed in that the writer portrayed in this book was 
very, very well done. Um, and I think a lot of um, Latinx people would be able to identify with even small aspects of it. But the way that the anxiety was portrayed and and like we knew she was anxious. And I think we were given some very surface I reasons why in Green Lanterns. And this here, this book did such an amazing job of sussing those reasons out and really showing empathy for yes. them. Mm-hmm. Like I, I did, like I started feeling anxious for her. And um, so, and, and honestly, knowing what she becomes, because in this book, there is no um, indication whatsoever that she's ever going to get powers other than the fact that she's always dressed in green. Um, and there's always yes. green hues around her. And she takes that, that ring that is also green. Um, that was her mother's or her, her I can't dad's. remember her, her, dad's. Yeah, her dad's. Um, and she, and, and it gives her quote unquote power. It gives her like, it, like, yeah, the, the, it's described as her dad's good luck good luck Trump. yeah he and she wearing... feels more confident when she has it oh yes so yes. i really like those little call outs to the fact that she does become a, become a green lantern in the future but this book is not about that that book it, this book is about jessica developing as a young woman and how all of that plays into who she becomes when she becomes a superhero, when she becomes a Green Lantern. And so for all those reasons, I also really enjoyed the book. I'm sorry. I, I didn't like the flatheads at all. I could, I like (laughs) by the end of the book, I got over it, but in the beginning, it really upset me. (laughs) (laughs) And by what I mean by that is like Sarah's talking about the geometrical shapes and drawings and stuff. It just was really jarring to me. I don't really like, um, I don't really like weird art like that, I guess. Like it always like takes me out of the story. But again, the story was just so um, well-written in and of itself that by the end it didn't, it wasn't an issue. And I also really, really, really enjoyed the friendship that developed between um, John Stewart and Jessica. Um, and I don't follow Green Lanterns at all. And so I don't even know if John Stewart is back in the picture, but I would love to see um, a callback to this book in, uh, in any stories that are going on and um, kind of like that friendship developing and team camaraderie now um, developing a little bit more. Oh, yeah. absolutely. So. Um, there's very few books. I, okay. So kudos to Stan Humphrey and writing Jessica and, um, uh, what he did like to get her out and for really portraying her like anxiety and stuff like that. Cause I remember, uh, we mentioned that, but, um, uh, it, from what I remember also at the time it suffered from the Latinidad. Mm-hmm. Uh, of Jessica, Jessica Cruz. And it was a critique that we had for Bendis Miles Morales too, before mm-hmm. someone yes. who was of the culture started writing uh, Miles as well. Um, and that's what this book does. It infuses uh, Jessica Cruz 
with her Latin identity. And mm-hmm. it is a new perspective on her and a new reason like to give her, like, this is why she has anxiety. This is why she has like all these worries and stuff like that. And why she's so nervous and stuff like that. I think this is a great backstory for her and a great, like a very, very modern reason as well. Um, um, it's, uh, and it's so really funny because uh, Jessica's problems was exactly the same problems that I had when I was growing up as well, because when, uh, uh, unlike her, I was not a DACA recipient. I was born here. So I was a U.S. citizen. My parents didn't become U.S. citizens until like 2010. So for the entirety of that era, I was always suffused with fear. And it's like, it's just, it's just a constant thing. Mm -hmm. It's like you, like I, I was afraid in elementary school. Uh, that's how long I've been living with, with that fear of my parents being deported. Now that I know that they're not because they're U.S. permanent residents, um, uh, and my mom is like applying to be a U.S. citizen and stuff like that. Uh, but like they have, there's that safety net. But before that time, it, it was just, it was awful because I, I would always ask myself, what if I go home? What if I come home from school and they're not there Mm -hmm. because they've been taken? And it's a, it's a very, very common fear. And we would hear about it from school, in school, about like kids whose parents got taken, they would go home and they'd be like, oh, like they would be like, my parents are gone. And they'd even have to go live with family. And if they didn't, if there was no family, then they would, they would have, they would be thrown into the foster care system. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was horrible. Um, yeah. Um, and it, that is still a thing that is prevalent today. And it's yep. just like, it's it's so funny because this is a modern story and I'm now 27, but it was a very, it was a, it was a very familiar fear that they wrote that hasn't changed at all since when I was seven. Mm-hmm. So this, this is 20 years and this is still a thing. And it's like, and as I was reading it, like, I would just like, I could just remember how much, how afraid and how anxious and how worried I used to be uh, uh, during that time and so it's they did a really great job with that and it's like it's uh, it's such a it's still a relevant problem but it explains Jessica's character so well and it gives suffuses her with personality and that's why I kind of really like the title as well a Jessica Cruz story instead of a Green Lantern story because this is about her so I I I enjoyed the book a lot. I think it's a very real story. It humanizes Jessica as well and talks about really very prevalent issues that some people don't really think about. But this is something that people like heck live with or lived with or are still living. Mm-hmm. And so I, I oh sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was gonna say and like even like the dreams about like the like the uh, that she has of um, um of the Aztec gods. Like that is like it's. I think it it didn't it didn't feel out of place. Mm-hmm. It felt like really real, and I really liked the ring thing too because uh, one of the things in the books was just like where does Jessica get her like willpower from? And this right here, mm-hmm. I think that's a great reason. And oh, I yeah. like the fact that now they kind of make it like uh, like the ring the the ring of power is like a family thing maybe mm-hmm. her dad didn't know what it was or like her parents didn't know but it's been passed on to her now and now it's hers and she doesn't know what it is yet but she will and I really like that 
one of the things that I really liked is that even though we all know where she's going uh, in the Green Lantern uh, lore, uh, in this book, it doesn't really have anything to do with that. But she is a hero in so many different ways. And I... I really like that in this book alone and in these stories alone that because there's a couple of different backstories that are happening all at once um, all around her. um, She is exemplifying exactly why the ring chose her, because that was a huge um, theme in Green Lanterns is that she did not have any confidence in herself that she always was like, this must be a mistake. Why did it choose me? I can't do this. I don't want to do this. And in this story, uh, over and over, she exemplifies why she deserved to be chosen by the ring. And so I really enjoyed that because those character traits had nothing to do with being a Green Lantern. It's just who she is. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, I dated a person who was illegally in the United States and yeah, it's really like nerve wracking, like waiting for a text or a phone call to make sure they got home. Okay. From work and they didn't have regular work because they weren't documented. And so they took all these side jobs and every day was just like, Mm -hmm. you're so nervous just to get that text and make sure that they got home. Okay. After doing some odd job, like gardening or an odd job, like fixing a computer or you know, it's or construction or whatever it was. And it's like, it's a whole different world. And until you kind of have somebody, you know, we're living in that world, like her friends, they were insensitive. But once they learned about like where she was coming from and her situation, they were really sympathetic and they all banded together to support her. And I thought mm-hmm. that was re- a really beautiful message. Like, sometimes keeping it to yourself can be so hurtful and you do have to seek out your people people that are going to support you oh my god I'm getting emotional guys anyway (laughs) uh, yeah sometimes uh, help even emotional support or just being there just holding your hand or hugging you um, is more than you have just dealing with it alone Mm -hmm. so It's not asking for help directly, but maybe just letting people help you. And that's really important, too. That's important to the people around you that love you and they want to help you. Uh, So this book was just beautifully illustrating all of those aspects. Um, So are we ready to actually rate it? Yes. Yes. Um, This is Sarah, and I'm just going to give it the whole panaderia and a cup of champurrado this like i said once i picked it up i could not put it down i actually love the art i love the color the colors just made it pop so much and i just really really loved it um and i want to know how they got the texture of how the colors um blended in together in such a way i i i'm still trying to figure out how they did that but it just looks so amazing it could have been like pastels or guac. I'm not sure, but it's amazing. Uh, so I'm going to give it uh, the whole panaderia and a cup of champurrado. What about you guys? 
So this is Kristen. I am really enjoyed the book a lot. I really enjoyed uh, learning more backstory about Jessica. Um, I don't know if these YA books are intended to be um, canon or not, but I really hope that this one is and that we um, when we see more of Jessica in any Green Lantern books uh, that are running, that there are callbacks to um, this uh, origin story because it's it's very um, well written and um, it is definitely a huge example of representation when it comes to Latinx um, culture and community. Uh, so for all those reasons, I also am giving it the whole panaderia. I actually, just before you go, uh, Jen, one of mm -hmm. the panels I really enjoyed as far as the artwork is concerned is when her parents come home from work and she's already ha had dinner cooking. Jessica did. And um, her dad puts down a bag of conchas on the, on the table. And mm. I was like, yes, this is, so true this is <laughs> my dad would go by la panaderia and buy some bread and just bring it home after work it was just it just was just so perfect anyway go ahead jen i'm so sorry <laughs> i really enjoyed the story i really loved it um uh, and uh as usual conscious making appearance it's just not a lead in a story without the conchas so <laughs> it's gonna get the Three Conchas, the whole panaderia for me too. It's a great story and I really loved it. Uh, and I think it was very real and very human, humanizing of Jessica Cruz. So that has been our book review, guys. All right, guys, it's now time for En La Libreria. Jen, what do you have for us today? So today I have for you guys Slice of Life number one, a queer webtoon with an anime twist. Uh, and it is uh, the little synopsis says, here says gritty anime protagonist Lady Vengeance comes to life and falls in love with a high school cheerleader. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> okay. I see you. Uh, and so she is brought to the reward by a super fan and she'll learn that there's more to life than darkness and revenge. What? Uh, Lies. Yes. <laughs> and she'll find love with the super fan's twin sister, a kind-hearted cheerleader. So she's basically it's it looks like a really fun story. Um and currently it is uh it has a goal of ten thousand dollars and it is currently at nine thousand three hundred and seventy-six dollars with oh, wow. three hundred and forty-four backers. And 19 days to go. So it's almost fully launched. And the art style is very, it's very webtoony. Uh, I will say that. Um, uh, so if, uh, if you know webtoons and stuff like that, it's just, it looks very, it, very uh, webcomic. Yeah, I guess it is another way to describe it. Very, very CalArts slash anime style. Um, but it's, it looks beautiful. You can catch a preview of it and it is by Catherine Kalamia, uh, who is a bisexual comic book writer, uh, for like father, like daughter, and they call her the dancer. Uh, she's also known for her comic book and TV journalism through her YouTube channel, Comic Uno. 
and um, uh, who and she has worked for News Rama and DC Universe, uh, as well as with IGN, Fandom, and TV Guide. Uh, so uh, Catherine is very well, very well versed in the comic book world. Uh, base pledges start at a dollar, uh, and it's called uh, the Indie Comic Bundle. You get uh, six. Uh, indie comics for just a dollar and it's oh, Astounding cool. Tales number one <laughs> Baka the Assassin Myth number one, Frontier Forever Genesis, Ruby from Planet Oz Voodoo Nation and Witch Creek Road and then at five dollars you get Slice of Life number one uh, the digital uh, bundle which is just uh, you get the indie comic books and Slice of Life number one in PDF format and then at fifteen dollars you get the physical copy of the book along with all the previous ones. And then at $20, you can get a Lady Vengeance plush doll, as well as um, uh, PDF versions of Slice of Life and the any comic book bundles. And then at $23, you can get the comic book and trading cards. And then it keeps on going from there. Uh, it keeps getting higher and there's different versions of uh, the comic book, but go ahead and back it. It looks like a lot of fun. You get a, some preview pages of it as well, and it looks really, really pretty. I feel like I need a Lady Vengeance plushie. <laughs> it looks really cute. <laughs> All right, guys, that's pretty. That's really like right in your alley. Like it's amazing. Oh, one hundred percent. Thanks for sharing that with us. All right, guys, it's now time for Juntos y Fuertes. Kristen, what do you have for us today? Okay, so today I have um, something called graphic medicine. And I believe that I mentioned them uh, in a prior Juntos y Fuertes because um, Dr. Teresa Rojas was involved and they were doing a panel. Um, and I don't remember for what event it was, but, um, they are back in the spotlight. And just so you know, graphic medicine, uh, is a website, uh, graphicmedicine.org. And, uh, it is, uh, it was founded by Dr. Ian Williams and he coined the term graphic medicine, um, to denote the role that comics can play in healthcare. Uh, and he just really feels that comics might have some sort of therapeutic potential, medicine, uh, if you will, uh, in the bottled panacea rather than the profession. So um, they are having, or well, actually, Dr. Ian Williams. Uh, the founder, he's a comic artist and a physician. Uh, so I thought that was super cool. But um, the website itself explores the interaction between the medium of comics and the discourse of healthcare. And they are a community of, of academics, healthcares, healthcare workers, authors, artists, and fans of comics and medicine. So um, the reason why I um, wanted to talk about it today is they have a, uh, a convention coming up. Now I say coming up and it's not till next year, but quite honestly, next year is like in less, almost two months away. So yeah. uh, <laughs> you have to, um, you have to remember that this year is almost over, but there is going to be a graphic medicine conference. Um, 
going on in 2022. So mark your calendars. Um, it's going to take place July 14th through 16th in Chicago. And let me tell you, I hope they have some good graphic medicine um, for being in Chicago in the middle of July because it is hot <laughs> AF and muggy, so muggy. Um, so uh, <laughs> I hope that they have some graphic medicine for that. But um, there is going to be more information coming soon and also call for papers. So like it is an academic um, conference and so uh, as well. So there'll be call for papers for you to if you're in that arena to submit. So again, it's going to be in Chicago, July 14th through 16th. Um, and it will be all uh, revolving around the theme of graphic medicine. Um, but you can already go on to graphicmedicine.org and order conference merchandise. There is a tote bag, t-shirt, stickers, mugs, and even a little journal. Um, and they're all super cute. And they all have the 2022 graphic medicine logo on them. So I'm sure that the sale of this merchandise is going to help for them to continue to put out um, amazing um, content on the uh, website. And one of the things that's super cool as well is that when you go onto the website, there are links for you to visit their sister sites, which are one site for Spanish readers and another site for Japanese readers. So you can actually go uh, on here and recommend if you have know any Spanish readers or Japanese readers, and they can also get information about graphic medicine. So um, again, that's graphicmedicine.org, and they will be having a conference in 2022. Yeah, yes. And if you want to learn more about graphic medicine and other comic books that deal with um, uh, health, mental health, uh, just health in general, you can check out uh, Fanbase Press. It's a graphic medicine uh, panel um, and they have panelists which share their projects. You can see them on YouTube at Fanbase Press on YouTube. And I learned so much. I learned that um, medical students go through a lot of depression during their residency. And if they actually talk about their depression during the residency, they can uh, risk the um, getting kicked out of the program, mm. which is terrible because then they have to be silent about what they're going through. Um, and then there's other aspects of of other things that I've learned about. So check out that. We'll share that as well, that panel. It was really eye-opening, really amazing. They're doing amazing work. And re please remember that Graphic Medicine is a nonprofit. So if you want to donate, that's greatly appreciated as well. So thank you so much, Kristen, for bringing that yet again to the podcast and sharing that information with us. <laughs> All right, guys, now it's time for saludos. And saludos goes out to 656 Comics. Now, this is Sarah, and I want to um, personally apologize to 656 Comics because I meant to schedule a Las Platicas with them, and I dropped the ball. So I really want to apologize. I'm apologizing to you guys <laughs> here on this episode. But I am so happy to report that uh, their Indiegogo um, crowdfunder, the Crypto, Cryptinals, Cryptide, 
cryptidnos. I cannot. animals. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> um, that has been fully funded. Um, there was a $1,300, um, uh, 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 what is it called? When you reach the uh, milestone, uh, what was it called? An stretch goal. Stretch goal. Yes. So they unlocked a stretch goal at 1,300 and then they unlocked another one at 1,500. So they've been doing amazing. Um, and uh, their Kickstarter, uh, not Kickstarter, their Indiegogo ends on October 31st, which will end right before you listen to this um, um, podcast episode. But I want to give them saludos because they actually went way above their goal and I'm really happy for them. And you can follow them uh, on YouTube. They have a YouTube channel under 656 Comics. They're on Twitter and they're also on Instagram at 656 Comics. They're amazing. And I'm just really happy that they have like over two over 298 backers on their project. And it's amazing. So, and if you want to buy any of their books, you can go to K-I-C-H-I-N-K. So, kitchinc.com backslash stores backslash 656 comics and check out all their amazing comic books. They're all there available. Uh, they're most, most of them are available both in English and Spanish, but check that out. And again, saludos goes out to 656 comics. You guys are really kicking ass and I can't wait to get my copy of Jen, what is it called again? Cryptidnals. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, okay. Uh, yes. <laughs> is this the uh, publishing company that is located in Mexico? Yes, that's right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, they're really amazing. They put out a lot of work. They have a lot of people on their team and they all uh, are creators and writers and artists and they just really do an amazing job. And hopefully this is a call out to them. Hopefully we can get a proper Las Platicas interview with you guys. And again, apologies for me dropping the ball of having you guys on uh, and scheduling it right before your uh, Indiegogo uh, finalized October 31st. So saludos goes out to them. Thank you guys so much. All right, guys, that brings us to the end of this episode. Uh, where can they find us? You can find us at commodicycomics.com where you can find links to all of our social media on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You can always Email us at comasicomics at gmail.com. Send us your questions, send us your rants and raves. And also be sure to like, subscribe, and review us on all um, the platforms that you possibly can, whether it's on YouTube, because that's where we show our Las Platicas, or on, um, what is it, uh, podcasts, Apple Podcasts. Yes. Um, review us because that really helps. Um, to get eyes on the podcast, which uh, helps us to rate higher, which helps us to become eligible to do all kinds of cool stuff. So definitely, if you're listening, you haven't done it yet, give us a review, even if it's just like a five star and you don't say any words, just take a couple of seconds and do that. It would really help. Absolutely. And mm -hmm. also, please remember, we just started our TikTok Um that's been going on. I'm going to post up a lot of cool stuff there. Um, also, please remember, we still have nobody claiming the uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle 
sleeping bag just rate and review our podcast and then just shoot us a dm telling us i have reviewed your podcast and you will get this asap as soon as you let me know the first person to let me know i'm gonna mail it out to you and it's so cool that i want to review our own podcast (laughs) (laughs) all right guys that brings us to the end of this episode we have been your host i'm sarah i'm Kristen, and i'm jen Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.